Welcome everybody. We're so excited. We're here at uh, Big Rig Breweries Canada location today to uh, kick off our first episode of the Ottawa Craft Beer Insider Podcast. It's an exciting time for uh, Big Rig with the news that uh, it had been acquired by a Quebec company. Uh, sounds like there's big things in the works for them in terms of an expansion. And we're uh, excited to have our first guest for the podcast, Lon Liddell, the co-owner and brewmaster here at Big Rig, who uh, is going to help us understand the story of Big Rig, where it's been and where it's going. Welcome to our uh, first podcast, the Ottawa Craft Beer Insider podcast. And, and uh, such a pleasure to be here at Big Rig's Canada location with Lon Liddell, co-owner now. and brewmaster yeah thanks for coming thank you so much for being our our uh, our first guest and i guess Pleasure. that's a great kicking off point right there is yeah. is the news in june that that uh big rig had been acquired by uh foodtastic in in quebec yep and it sounds like uh big and exciting plans for big rig so maybe before we get to where big rig came from maybe you can talk for a minute about where big rig is going now yeah yeah for sure um yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we've had this location open for about five years now. And uh, with the um, bringing in of uh, new partners, it uh, definitely has uh, shifted how, how the future looks for us. And so it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, you know, with uh, driving the, the brewery aspect, uh, there's only so far I could take it. Yeah. And so bringing in these, these new partnership group, uh, uh, allows more opportunity for for how we're going to change and, and do business in the future. So, uh, Foodtastic, to give you a little bit of background, Foodtastic is is a restaurant company. So they specialize in in uh, finding brands that are uh, that are successful um, and 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 opening more restaurants. And so, really, that's one of the main things that you'll see with with uh, with our new partnership yeah. is more big rig restaurants opening. Uh, throughout the province and, and probably throughout Canada. Um, so they've got, uh, in Quebec, they've got over uh, 60 store locations of yeah. different, of different, uh, different uh, restaurant concepts. And so uh, I think the plan in the next uh, six to eight months is to open up five more big rig restaurants in Ontario. Wow. Or no, sorry, three, three in Ontario, three to four in Ontario and two, two in Quebec. Uh, so really, they're uh, they're a fast-moving company, yeah. and so as far as the, the the craft beer side, it's always nice to have another sales avenue. So to be able to to uh, to expand your product, sell them in your own in your own uh, retail locations, is uh, is a massive win. Hmm. Now I can give a bit of an endorsement to uh, Foodtastic because one of the the uh, stores that they have in Quebec is is Belle de Boeuf, yeah. and that has become one of my uh, go-to spots when I go to Montreal to cover. Hockey. They have a location on uh, St. Catherine Street, okay. down near uh, Guy, and uh, it's. Uh, I can recommend it. It's a great experience. Um, obviously, by the name, uh, hamburgers are the uh, yeah. are the specialty. Yeah. Now it'll even be better to be able to go in there and have uh, big some beer. big rig, big rig product. Get the best <laughs> of the, the Quebec hamburger and the Ontario uh, and the Ontario beer. Yeah. Now, it's it's a great story. It's a great local story here in Ottawa. Uh, take us back to the origins of, of Big Rig and back in 2012 and and, uh, and how even the whole concept of, of Big Rig came together. Yeah, um, well, um, myself and my family, my wife moved to Ottawa probably about nine, nine or ten years ago now. 
Um, and the goal was to you know be here for a couple of years for some family reasons. Uh, within about six months, I was like, you know, I was getting antsy, and uh, I was lucky enough to meet uh, a couple of my former partners. They're uh, in the restaurant business uh, with uh, the Baton Rouge uh, yeah, chains. Yeah. Uh, so good restaurant people, uh, solid, solid people. Um, and then um, basically from there, they had a couple of contacts, one of them being uh, Chris Phillips and, uh, and one of our other partners. And so there's the five of us in ownership. <clears throat> and uh, so from there, we started the Iris. You know, we looked for a location, we found the Iris spot. Uh, built it up, uh, put in the brew pub system there, yeah. and really at that time, um, craft beer in Ottawa and even Ontario was really at its beginning stage. I mean, when I moved to town, there was uh, Clock Tower, which is a fantastic brand, yeah. um, and Bose um, was around, and then there was Heritage Brewing Company out in Carleton Place. So I started brewing in 1996. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, and so so basically, at the end of the day, I had to had to create my own job. Um, and so joining forces with, uh, with you know, great restaurant people and uh, local celebrity Chris Phillips uh, was a natural. It was a great fit. I didn't have to think about restaurant operations, just needed to focus yeah. on beer, which is really, truly my passion. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, from there, uh, the goal was to open up the, the Canada facility and the, and the uh, East End uh, location of Blair Ogilvy uh, within two to three years. And yeah. we hit those marks. And then my goal was to build out our production facility within a couple of years. And so basically hit all of our targets. And then uh, at that point it was like, okay, well, what's next? Um, it's gonna take some investment. It's gonna take a little bit of a change to move to the next level. And, and so uh, at that point, uh, uh, we, uh, we looked for partners, strategic partners, and, uh, and Foodtastic came in and, and bought out uh, all of my other partners. And, uh, and uh, I'm left happily, <laughs> happily uh, um, still, doing, uh, still doing the operations for the brewery side of the company. So that's, uh, that's my sweet spot and that's what I love to do. So. As, I, as I said to you earlier, the man with the secret sauce. So, <laughs> so you're yeah. the, the secret <clears throat> recipe. The, yeah. Uh, where, yeah. Where does, now, how, how did your passion for craft brewing come about? I mean, what's been your relationship with beer? Through, yeah. your, through your life. Well, I mean, uh, I think uh, I think it really stemmed like from my early days in college, like many people. <laughs> you know, it's uh, a lot it, of first-hand research. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I grew up in in BC on the west coast, and uh, out there, the craft beer scene sort of hit um, a lot sooner than it did out here. So, you know, in '94, '90, like '92, '93. Um, when I was of age, there was there was good there was good craft beer out yeah. there. There was Shaftesbury. There was there was really interesting things. Uh, so I grew up with that. Um, and then I was working uh, working in a dairy, doing uh, all the CIP, which is the cleaning place, all the operations of cleaning, sanitizing tanks. Right. Uh, I was also making cottage cheese and yogurt. And so uh, a light went off in my head after about a year of doing that that I was lactose intolerant. And I was spending all my money on beer. And I was like, wait, how about I make beer and I'll get unlimited amounts of beer and then I can buy cheese whenever I want it. And so uh, from there, I you know, finished my night shift and I volunteered in a local brewery. Okay. Um, what was that local brewery? Uh, Spinnaker's. Okay. So Spinnaker's uh, is in Victoria, BC. It was the first uh, post-prohibition Tide House brewery. So okay. they opened up in 84. Awesome uh, brewing heritage there. Uh, some of the some of the pioneers in Canada uh, worked worked through there, and I was honored to uh, to be there for about ten years. 
Um, so that's really where you served your apprenticeship. Yeah. Where you... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I started there. Um, my my father was the actual uh, brewer there at the time. Okay. Uh, so so I sort of leveraged that relationship yeah. to <laughs> Smart. to get uh, to get a job, and then he moved on to uh, to open up some other uh, locations. Um, you know, and from there uh, picked up a, did a mentorship program with a gentleman named of James uh, James Pryor, who was a brewmaster and director at uh, Binnis. Uh, 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 Bass, Guinness, and Whitbread right. throughout the yeah. 80s. Uh, then the 90s, he worked uh, in uh, Russia setting up breweries. Uh, so he retired in Victoria. And so okay. I sort of became his, uh, his apprentice, you might say, while I was running a brewery. So really, in those days, uh, a, a wonderful opportunity. Um, and then through him, uh, I worked uh, doing consulting. I was able to go and work in Europe, setting up, uh, bring over Canadian equipment, setting it everything up. Uh, showing people how to run their how, how to run their business, yep. make the beer. Uh, so really uh, started started young and, and have been uh, really blessed and, and thankful to be in the industry since '96. The uh, we were having this discussion before about you know craft beer. Uh, the experience with the beer is such a personal thing. Yeah. And and for me, the relationship is as much with. The beer and the way it tastes is the people that stand behind it and maybe what the brand represents and you buy into all of that. Um, what, what do you think Big Rig has come to represent? And I'm sure there's some people whenever you know you hear of a, a craft brewery being taken over by a, a, a bigger company that yeah. there's concerns that somehow maybe they're going to lose some of that identity. Right. You know, what's the future of, of the Big Rig brand in this in this new relationship? Yeah. Um, fair, totally fair question. Um, we, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, that Foodtastic, when we were having our preliminary meetings, that's what I asked them: Why, why Big Rig? And, and it's because they love what we do and they love our brand. Um, and so um, that's why I decided to stay, uh, is because you know nothing changes. You know, we got here because of what we did yeah. and what we've done and what we'll continue to do. Uh, so for me, my philosophy in, in beer, um, you know, when we first started, uh, people's palates maybe weren't as uh, developed as they are now. So you know, we've got to make a little bit more broader range. And you know, our restaurants are 300 seats. We need to make sure that we're making beer that's that uh, is going to appeal to a lot of different people. Uh, so now that we've moved into that and moved moved along with uh, with with uh, with the demographic of beer drinkers, yeah. they're more educated, so we can expand into more things. Uh, so for me, I've always, you know, focused on quality. You know, using good ingredients, using, uh, you know, it's a bit of a cliche now, but you know, time-honored traditions. Like yeah. these are these are things that that uh, I was taught by an old English brewmaster, and he was taught by the people who wrote all the manuals in the 30s and 40s. Um, and, and that's and that's not BS. It's really it's about having respect for for what you're doing and, and for your finished product, um, not cutting corners and doing things properly. The, um, it's interesting to me too. Whenever, whenever um, I get the chance to experience a new brand, or, or uh, uh, you know, just keep going through what an old one um, has established as kind of like their their benchmark brews. Yeah. What was what was the strategy behind Big Rig? Like you said, you want to make sure that you've got those beers that are going to apply or uh, at least appeal to a wide range of of customer. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of people find it difficult to kind of get into that craft beer space and, and mm -hmm. right away are like, oh, it's almost like it's wine. It's like too yeah. much for me to try and, and figure out what's been the strategy in terms of the types of brews that, that you have and, and if that will change going um, forward. Yeah, um, at the end of the day, I like to make beers that I can be proud of and I want to drink. So that's, that's, sort of, that's sort of level one. Um, and, uh, and it's important to me, and, and, and I like all sorts of beers. Yeah. Like I'm not like, yeah. hey, I only drink hazy IPAs. Yeah. I love hazy IPAs, but sometimes I want a Pilsner. You know, I want a, a nicely crafted 30-day Pilsner. Yeah. Um, it, it's all over the map. For me, it's, uh, it's part of the experience of what you're having. So, uh, you know, having a core lineup that, that sort of hits those, um, there's sort of some tried, tested, true. Yeah. You know, you've got your, your light, easy drinker, you've yeah. got your IPA, you've got your amber, you've got your brown, you've got your stout. You know, that's, that's history all over the states, and, and that's what people sort of open with. Yeah. Um, and then to expand on that and to bring in new, interesting things over and above that um, has, always been, uh, has always been there. Um, you know, moving forward, um, obviously looking at uh, new markets, uh, you know, there are some beers that I make for the Ottawa area that, that sell like crazy. Yeah. But if I try to put that in London or in Toronto in a different that's marketplace, it doesn't sell as well. So really, you know, uh, with today's market, I find that I need to make slight adjustments into even the microcosm of Ontario yeah. of doing that. So, I mean, if we're looking at, I mean, we're selling beer in other provinces now, um, uh, but we're about to go into Quebec, yeah. uh, obviously. Uh, so one of the things there is, okay, well, what, what is the consumer like there? What is the knowledge level? And now, I'm not going to say, like, look at, okay, what are the most popular beers and, and recreate it. It's like, where do we find ourselves in there? How, how do we want to build our name within those, those demographics? Uh, and, and I think that's just a realistic global view. If you go to, to Czech Republic, you know, yeah. the IPA scene might not be as advanced as it is in, say, Nevada or, or in, in uh, you know, in, in Ottawa even. Uh, so you really have to look at where you're going and, yeah. and make slight adjustments. And, and I, don't, I don't think that that's pandering to the crowd. To me, that's a smart business. Right. And why not? Like, I, you know, if I can make every day a new style of beer, uh, for that, to me, that's what it's all about. You know, waking up in the morning, thinking about the, the style of beer we want to make, figuring out the flavor profile, getting, sourcing the ingredients, brewing it, and that satisfaction after it's all done, it's amazing. The, uh, I do a lot of golf stuff yeah. as well. Yeah. I cover a lot of golf. And, uh, you know, a big thing is, is the way technology has come into golf and, and how club fitting has become an important part of, of helping a golfer be better. Right. And, and the best club fitters um, rely on technology, mm -hmm. but there's also an art to it. Yep. And just like watching ball flight and everything else. And, and it's occurred to me in, in covering and, and being a little bit involved in the beer business that the best brewers kind of have that same kind of uh, melding of technology and art. Yep. And what for you is like the, the percentage? Obviously you have a recipe, you need to stick to the recipe, but there's yep. that little bit of just you have that little feel or instinct or yeah. whatever that just kind of takes it over the top. Yeah, I, 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 you're bang on on that. Like, I mean, there's, um, uh, there's a group of us here who, who do the recipe development now because uh, it's, it's part, I, I think it's one of the funnest parts of the job. So like to spread, spread it around so we get together as a group and, and think about, hey, what do we want to do for seasonals? Yeah. Um, and, and sort of uh, 
you know, throw around ideas. Um, but it's really at the end of the day, it's one thing to sort of, okay, I want it to be this color and this bitterness and, 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 and it's, you know, you can hit those with math. Yes. But it's, it's the nuances of the, the hops to the grain um, and, and how you put it together in the different ratios and, and, and how you're uh, adjusting your, your processes to bring out the best in yeah. there. So, I mean, it, it's a lot of science. It's a lot of science. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I, I, I sort of think about it as, as a, you know, an Italian chef who has been making pasta you know, for, for 20, 20, 30 years. It's like you know, your, you know your flour, you know your local water source, you know your tomatoes that your grandmother passed down to you. Yeah. You know all those things, right? And you know the, the, the nuances within those. And that's really what I, th you know, when, when people ask me, what should I do to get in the industry? Get to know your ingredients yeah. and put them together because once you have that, then you can, you can put them together and you can really make something magical. As a kid growing up in Quebec, Everybody talked about the water, and like the Molson export that you have in Quebec was going to yeah. be different than the Molson export that you would have in, in Ontario. Right. And, and it's interesting that you talked about the ingredients. How big a role does, does water play, and, and where do yeah. you get your water here? Well, we're, uh, we're lucky to have a great water source in uh, the city of Ottawa. We obviously uh, we filter it um, to sort of bring out, uh, make it as neutral, neutral as possible. And then, depending on the beer style, we'll add uh, different salts in there. Okay. So calcium chloride or calcium sulfite, naturally occurring uh, salts that are, that are in our water. Uh, so within a few of those salts, we're able to um, push, push beer flavor in a different direction. So we can, water, water uh, records are one of the oldest records that, that you can find. So you can find wells from, like, uh, from Eastern Europe through the 30s and 40s and some of the beers that went through there and you think, oh wow, I mean that's a legendary beer style. Let's sort of strip, strip the water down and then build it back up so it sort of matches mm. somewhat of, of like a, of, of an old well. Right. So yeah, it's fun, it's fun, it's one of the fun aspects to play with. The, uh, it's been, the whole hop industry right now has been in the news quite a bit in terms of yeah. the demand that's been placed on that category by the explosion in, in the craft beer business. For sure. Maybe just walk us quickly through what you do. Where do you source your hops? Um, what kind of relationships you have with the hop growers? Have we seen, um, even here in the Ottawa Valley, um, hop growers start to have an opportunity to make uh, an imprint on the business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, hops are uh, always an ongoing, uh, ongoing uh, part of what we're doing. Um, <laughs> you say I, that with a bit of a... Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's tough. I mean, there, there's only so many different varieties. There's a ton of different varieties, and some of them are hot, like from year to year, um, and, and they're really difficult to get. And so really, you have to lean on your, uh, your, your contract, your suppliers, um, to, to sort of be able to get, get what's coming up and having that relationship with them. It's like, hey, we've got this coming down the pipes. We only have X amount, so you want to be first on that list, right? right? And so, you know, they're, uh, it's, it's one of those reciprocal uh, supplier-customer relationships. When we get together, we're both buying each other beers. <laughs> it's not, it, it goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for us, um, you know, we make a bunch of beer, and so we're in a, a great position to be able to have really good hop contracts. And so we get, uh, uh, we, get uh, um, we use a company called Hops Connect. Um, and they sort of source, source stuff from all over, uh, all over the planet. Yeah. 
And so we basically give them our volume uh, estimates of what we're going to need for the coming years before the crops come out and, uh, and basically nail down those contracts. Uh, we're obviously held to, to, to use all those. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but that allows us to have a little bit more purchasing power and, and work on the pricing. Um, but that being said, there have been, um, uh, on Ontario and, and in Quebec, in the valleys, they used to be a huge growing, uh, hop growing area. Yeah. So we've seen an emergence locally of, of new hop suppliers uh, come up where they're starting with, you know, three, four acres and, and, and putting it through. Um, unfortunately, it's not the highest, uh, highest uh, um, uh, earning yes. thing that you can do with your land. Yep. Um, but I, I applaud, uh, I applaud the, the rejuvenation of, of, that, of that market for sure. The, um, you know, the, 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 the legacy that you guys have created here at, at uh, Big Rig in, in what, seven years, I think you started in, in 2012. Oh. What, would you, what would you like that to be? What, uh, we're talking about that connection that, that beer lovers have as much with the beer as they do with the brand. But yeah. What would you like people to think of when they think about Big Rig and, and your beers? You know, at the end of the day, I make beers because I love it. Yeah. And I enjoy hanging out with friends and family. And I enjoy the beer and the time that we have that we're doing with that. So really, uh, to me, it's, you know, having a good time with friends and family and, and for us to, to be a part of that is, is really, is, is, uh, is really, is really cool, yeah. right? You know, if you're, you know, we work uh, with, with TD Place and so we're at Ottawa Fury. If you're a soccer fan and your team scores and you're having a big rig, I mean, that's cool, right? And if you can associate yourself with those great times, uh, that to me is, uh, um, I can be really proud of that. You know, if I, somebody's having a great time and they're having our beer and we're part of that, that's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. The, uh, what do we have in Ontario now? 250? I can, breweries? I can. I, I mean, can the numbers, even, the numbers changing you. so quickly all the time. Yep. Um, where, where do you see Big Rig right now kind of in that, that, uh, in that sphere of, of craft breweries in Ontario? And, and where do you think you, you could be because of this new relationship? You know, um, I can't, uh, I, you know, I couldn't even tell you. Um, I mean, we were definitely the largest by volume brewery in the Ottawa, yeah. in Ottawa, yeah. um, by three or four times. And we distribute throughout Ontario and a couple other provinces. And so really, uh, I'm just working on a, on a couple of year growth plan and they just keep going from there, yeah. you know. So, there's obviously some some bigger uh, some bigger fish out there when you know with, with some great breweries like Bose and and uh, <clears throat> and uh, some of the other ones from Toronto yeah. uh, that make awesome beer and and in their markets they're 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 huge and and in, and expanding as well. So, you know, we haven't been around as long as everybody, but but uh, we're definitely making tracks. Mm. The, uh, it was interesting what you said to me before about you know people in communities really identifying with with their craft breweries and the challenge yeah. sometimes that you have going from market to market. You even mentioned about you know people here in Ottawa having their favorites on from the, the big rig roster and, and yeah. uh, having to adjust that different geographical regions of, of Canada. Um, do you think it's going to be tough for you to kind of transport that that big rig brand to other markets? Um, yeah, it's it, it is it is definitely hard, um, and uh, one of the things I love about this industry is that that people are kind of protectionist about their own community, 
and so local breweries do better in their local local areas. And so obviously, you know, the goal is to not take away from from their market share. It's about enhancing um, and bringing more people into craft beer. That's the way I look at it. I mean, there's only eight percent of the population in Ontario, you know, yeah. that, that's drinking craft beer, yeah. whereas in uh, in you know BC and Quebec, we're up we're up over ten. So there's lots of room to to move stuff up there. Uh, so really, there's there's an opportunity to to move stuff around. But you have to be you have to be cognizant of the local market and and what you want to be perceived at in in that market. The um, like you say, where does where does where do you see craft beer going? Is that because some people feel like it's almost like there's too many craft breweries now for yeah. the number of people who consume, as as you said, and that maybe we're going to see a whittling and you know a natural Darwinian. You know, culling of the right. culling of the herd. Um, yeah. Do, do you see do, do you see the opportunity there for for craft beer to continue kind of on its upward yeah. ascent? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think that um, I think that uh, there's not a lot of room for you know for new steam whistles or new bows. Right. Uh, but there there is lots of room for a place like uh, Weatherhead in Perth or Brew Revolution that just opened in Stittsville which are becoming the new meeting spots for, for communities. You know, it used to be, back in the day, coffee shops, right? right? So now it's, it's, it's craft breweries. And so to have a craft brewery in different sort of local markets like that, you're gonna bring more people into the marketplace. And you know, those people aren't always gonna be there. Sometimes they're gonna be at uh, Loblaws and they're gonna pick up a big rig or, or one of the other great craft beers that are around. So really, uh, I think that not all the business models are support being able to support in the future, but there's different models coming up that that uh, that are going to help out the marketplace. So. Well, number one for me, if you've got a good product, it's it's going to find its its niche no matter where you go. I think you guys have got a a, a great lineup. What last last question? Okay. What what brands do you kind of use as as like that flagship to say? We're here. We're big rig. Yep. Try this. Like, what, what are the ones you're going to push out there to, to maybe try and make inroads in other markets? Yeah, um, uh, we've got some. We've got some. 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 Some of the beers that sort of lead the pack are uh, Alpha Bomb. Yeah. It's uh, six. One points. of my one, one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean it's six point six percent. It's got a ton of hops in it, um, but it still looks it's accessible, right? It's got big flavors, but it's balanced at the same time. Uh, so we'll usually lead with that. Um, and then we'll bring in uh, some of the supporting cast. Like we, our premium pilsner, uh, you know, I love that beer. It's it's just it's just well balanced. It's it's made. It's a good multi-purpose, multi-occasion yeah. beer. Yeah, good after hockey, good after golf in the summertime. Yeah, like exactly, exactly. So yeah, it's uh, and then uh, having having seasonal product out there is is really important as well in sort of you know doing new things. So yeah. Maybe I said that was the last one. I'm gonna ask one more. <laughs> maybe, maybe give us a little hint about what we might see coming up on that seasonal Ooh. menu. Uh, well, right now we've just launched our. Uh, we're coming into to the fall, mm -hmm. so we've got our uh, our tales from the patch pumpkin porter. Um, so that's just in retail now, and that's really cool one. We've actually got glow in the dark ink on it, and and it, so that's uh, that's that's really popular this time of year. And then we transition into our uh, Midnight Kiss My Cow, which is a uh, milk stout. Yep. So we put ch chocolate, cocoa, uh, lactose, and so it's a big, rich, rich beer for the for the holiday season. Uh, I've got some uh, some interesting things coming out for the spring that uh, I'm not gonna 
not going to divulge at this point in time, but uh, stay tuned for sure. Okay, great. Juan, yeah. thanks so much for uh, being our, our first guest on uh, Ottawa Craft Beer Insider. Cheers. And uh, all the best. Looking forward to enjoying a lot of big rigs over the holiday season. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of uh, Ottawa Craft Beer Insider. We want this to be a two-way conversation. Um, we want to be interactive. This is all about inclusion. So we'd love for you to uh, reach out to us on our social media channels. Um, let us know what you're thinking. Do you have an idea for a future show? If you have a comment or a question about something that you heard on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter, at beer underscore Ottawa. We're on Instagram. You can just search Ottawa Craft Beer Insider. Let us know what you think. Let us know uh, what you want to hear on this podcast. Uh, and as always, we thank The Wood on Wellington for sponsoring and for making the show possible. We look forward to uh, talking with you next time.